Welcome to the Artist Academy podcast, a place where we focus on the business side of art to help you attract more customers, increase profits, and ultimately live a life of creativity and financial freedom. I'm your host, Andrea Earhart, and this week's episode features Florida-based artist Sam Weeman. Sam has been a part of the Academy since the early days, aka just a few years ago, and this is actually her second interview with me. You can actually find her first episode in number four. 45. I told you she's been around for a hot minute. And we decided to do a second interview, something I rarely do, but because her art business has expanded so much along with her mindset around spending her our hard-earned art money since that first one. And we focus a lot on the mental shifts that happen from the early days of hustling as an artist to the later years of thriving as an artist as she is. And I'm excited to share this unique human with you again. Go give her a follow on Instagram. There's a link here. And that way you can see how colorful and compassionate her art world is. And let me know what you think about this week's episode with Sam Weeman. Hello. <laughs> Today I have Sam Weeman with me. And I'm so excited because this is your second podcast interview. But the first one was about three years ago. It was a while ago. Yeah, it was. I couldn't even remember how long ago it was. So I'm glad you got the time correct. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, but today we wanted to talk a bit about mindset. You've come really far in your art journey and you've had several mental shifts along the way. And I'd love to just pick your brain about what it was in that first podcast episode. You were full-time and you were doing great, but now you're doing really great. <laughs> and I think it's a combination of things, right? It's a combination of getting referrals and being in the game so long and working hard and doing the mental shifts. And so can you kind of take us back to maybe where you started, where that first podcast was, and then kind of where you are right now, like all in a big bunch? <laughs> sure. So it's funny because I recently went back and listened to that podcast again. I don't remember what number it is. It's 40 something. So it's way back when, but I was wow. Like, I was like, let me do my homework. I feel weird listening to myself, but let me listen and just see, you know, how much has changed. And I guess my expectation was I thought I would listen to things I had to say at that point in my life. And I would probably be like, oh, I feel totally different now. But the crazy thing is I listened to it and I was like, wow, I like still feel exactly the same about everything I said and everything I felt in that exact moment. I think at the time we recorded, if it was three years ago, I probably had been full-time for about a year at that point, but it was still all really new. And of course, as we all know as artists, whether we're doing this part-time or full-time, we're all learning. Like even when you've been doing this like 10 years, you know, like yourself or more, I think it's constantly an evolution of ourselves and our art and our business, like all combined. So with that being said, if anyone has listened to my old podcast, I don't want to be too repetitive with giving you a life story you might already know or nobody really cares about, but just a little background info about me, I guess. So my name is Sam. As you guys know, I am full-time. It's been in the fall. It'll be five years that I've been doing this completely full-time without any other kind of you know financial gain from other jobs, part-time, full-time work, et cetera. And it feels really good. The biggest difference I've found now, which I'll touch on a bit more later, is definitely my mindset and level of confidence, which has shifted and changed. I think that's the biggest change about myself besides my work actually evolving and changing a bit too. But as far as my background, I did not go to art school. I like to point that out because I think a lot of people, especially people I meet on a daily basis or people that see my art shows, just 
bring up in conversation or assume, oh, where did you go to art school? Or how long have you been out of school? And people seem really shocked when I say, oh, you know, I didn't go to art school. I did go to college, but I went to school for animal science. I studied evolution and ecology. And I actually spent several years working as a biologist, working with like wildlife conservation and research and even entomology for a while before doing this. So that's a whole nother thing when I explain to people that, you know, I managed labs working with jumping spiders and moths and all kinds of animals. I worked with quite a menagerie of species. And, you know, I definitely loved the work I used to do, but I can speak on behalf of myself as a full-time artist now that I really have never been happier. That doesn't say my work doesn't come with stresses, of course. I think we all find that working for ourselves comes with a whole new set of challenges than the challenges of working from someone else. But, you know, I wouldn't have it any other way. I'll also mention that I guess myself as a person, things I want to share just because anybody that does get to know my art or my business, I'm a very, very passionate person and I don't do my art just to make money. One thing that's never changed and I think will never change about myself is I'm very authentic to myself and, you know, my values um, system, my ethics, things that I believe in. So I love animals. I'm a vegan. It's not just the way I eat. It's not like I just eat fruits and vegetables all the time, but, you know, I live a very compassionate lifestyle. And I try to do as little harm to other beings of all kinds in my art, in my daily life. And I try to inspire others in you know a very happy and positive way. And I feel that I can do that a lot with my art and connect with people. I still, despite, I know that we've discussed this and it's kind of been touched on some of your other episodes of growth and making more money. It's funny because we will talk more about this too, I'm sure. But although my business has probably almost quadrupled in how much income I'm making since I started, which is incredible. I feel like I'm still the exact same person. I, you know, haven't felt the need to be like, oh, I'm making more money now. So, you know, I'm going to buy a bigger house. You know, my husband and I still are one car household. We drive a Prius since I work from home. I don't use it much. And I'm currently in the process of considering buying a van for art shows, because if anyone sees the way we travel with our Prius, it's a chaotic mass of strapping my entire art show set up to the roof, but it's kind of been working. And I'm the type of person, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So I've just been pushing through with that. And instead, I've really been embracing my love for travel. And kind of with the shift in my mindset, I've finally given myself permission to enjoy my life. And accept that it's okay to have more money and use it for things that you enjoy. You know, I think that's just a lot of the mental shift is my relationship with money. I'm still a frugal person. Um, A lot of what our discussion was on the previous podcast too, was that I paint on repurposed materials. So in addition to being an animal lover, being vegan, I love the environment, all these things. One thing that really bugs me is just the amount of waste as, you know, a species that we make. And even in the art industry, pretty much anything, you know, like we go through canvases, we go through packaged material. And like, I just look at the amount of waste that gets thrown away, even just through shipping online orders and all of the cardboard and tape, like all these little things add up so much, even if as small businesses, we only create a fraction of waste from a bigger business. Like... I just live with the mindset of if I can control something that is meaningful to me, like I should be doing the best I can at whatever that is that I care about. So I still paint on trash. I still use like 100% repurposed and reclaimed materials for all of my shipping, even though I ship way more than I used to. I still 
poured mailers and boxes and all that stuff. So I guess it's interesting. It might be interesting to other people that despite making a lot more money, I haven't let it change the core of who I am. And I had to laugh in one of your episodes you were talking about this and you said something about, oh, Sam, you know, she has blue hair. She's a hippie, all this stuff. And I just was cracking up because I was like, that's still me. Like my hair color might change, but I think I will always be that person no matter what. So here I am just going on a rant about all this stuff, but I think this will shift into whatever we're going to discuss next. I, <laughs> so that's, I love that's it. it about me. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love that you're, yeah, I love that you're staying so true to who you are too. And I just want to say, as you were talking, I was like, oh yeah, I remember when we did our first interview, I had never thought about the idea of reusing boxes to ship my prints. And because of you, I now have a little thing in our Print Perfect tutorial. So you can buy boxes. This is for you get them or you can go to Hobby Lobby and you can go get their used ones and whatnot Yay! and to ship but that was because of you. And so I'm where so glad <laughs> where else do you get your um, your materials to repurpose? So the funny thing is a lot of people ask me this and I like starting out like especially on a smaller scale, I definitely would go and hunt down boxes or reach out to people. I think Facebook is an amazing tool. So not just through like my personal Facebook, you know, whoever I know locally, I mean, we all shop on Amazon. I feel like since COVID and things just changing in society, so many people shop solely online and like never even leave their house. So we all have packages and boxes and all these materials just like literally piling up. So it started, I guess, just kind of me reaching out on Facebook, letting people know, hey, like I use repurposed materials. If you have shipping stuff, save it for me. And it went from, oh, here's a few mailers here and there to, I think I still have a pile that I've had for the past three years because people literally are like, oh, I've been saving stuff for you. Can I drop it off? And I'm like, yeah, sure. And they drop it off. And like my whole porch is just a mountain of boxes because someone's been hoarding stuff for like years to bring to me. So I don't even have to leave my house. People just bring me shit all the time. They drop it off. People that know where I live literally will leave me boxes, shipping material. We can get into more like other repurposed stuff. But since I use a lot of different materials in my art, people leave me wood, fan blades, all the random stuff I like to paint on. Like, I feel like at least once a week, there's some kind of surprise gift on my porch just waiting for me. Sometimes at art shows, people bring me like something. They're like, here, I thought you could paint on this. And something I want to mention, because I feel like it's a growing phenomenon. I don't know if you've ever heard of buy nothing. Yeah, yeah. Well, one of the arts team members, Grace, she just bought her a wedding dress or like a dress off of there. So she or, well, not buy. So she, yeah, yeah. I got it for free. So yes, buy nothing has changed my life. I've been a member for a few years now of my local group, and our group here in town has gotten so big that they've had to divide it up five times. And it's basically, I think we have a thousand people in it, but we're one of five groups in my town. And my group is so small now that everyone's basically within our adjoining neighborhood. So I can almost ride my bike. Like when I go to pick anything up and when I like want to declutter and get rid of stuff, I just give it away on buy nothing. So for anybody that doesn't know, if you Google buy nothing, it's buy nothing project.org, I think. And it's basically like a buy, sell trade group, but everything is free and you can't really mention money or trading because it's supposed to just be a free will of either gifting or receiving things without any type of attachment. So I can easily, if I ever am low on like, for example, one thing I go through a lot more than the boxes and mailers is bubble wrap. So I'll just mention on there like, Hey, you know, I need bubble wrap. I need 
the like pouch pocket things like with filled with air, like all that stuff. So that's another great way to get free stuff. So if anybody's listening and you want packaging materials or anything to be eco-friendly, besides going to corporate stores like Hobby Lobby, et cetera, and asking when they have extra boxes, because honestly, they all do and they'll gladly give them to you. Just get in touch with people in your local community. Guarantee you'll probably get more materials than you need. And it'll save you money and it'll save you like a trip or whatever to have to go purchase the boxes from somewhere. And you'll ethically just feel good knowing that you've made something stay out of a landfill twice, not once, but two times by reusing it. So... I love yeah. that. Yeah, I feel like we couldn't go on about and then talk about the mental shifts without first talking about this because this is who you are. This is it takes some effort to be like this, but it's also great for artists just starting out. If you're on a tight budget, doing something like this, they have getting a little bit more effort, then you might just get addicted to it. <laughs> I, yeah. I can kind of feel we have this uh, wine box uh, actually on our cabinet or on our dresser over here, and I like we had bottled wine in it, and my husband went to throw it away, and I was like. But I can do art on it, maybe. I don't know. But I am bad about it. I will save it and I won't do anything with it. But I have that yes. that want to like, don't throw this away. I might use this. And he just looks at me like, like you've used the piece of wood in the garage we stored three years ago. I'm like, you never know. Yeah, he's just like my husband. He's stopped just being a hoarder already. Shit, stop holding on to it. But I feel like the need to be like, you know, I have so many ideas for this item. Don't let it go. Because you know, when you let it go, you're going to be like, damn it, I wanted to paint this on that. That would have been perfect for this. But what can we say? I say, as long as you have the room to hold on to it for a while, give yourself three years. If it's still sitting there, then get rid of it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so the three-year rule. That's fair. (laughs) For somebody that is like staying in a house, for people that are a bit more of a minimalist or if you move around a lot, then, you know, maybe give yourself six months. Yeah. Yeah. So you just went to Thailand. So you're you're adventuring. Tell me about that. Yeah. So Thailand was amazing. I actually went on two trips the second half of last year. First, we went to Africa. We went to five different countries at the end of August of 2022. And I will say it's hard. I feel like people listening to this probably can relate because they likely listen to a lot of your podcasts. And I feel like you have inspired me so much more than you realize in just really shifting my mindset, like in so many ways, but specifically with my relationship with money. And I feel like before talking about my travels, I just want to perceive this by saying that I have always loved traveling, but I felt that there were so many barriers, both physical and mental, that stopped me from feeling like I was able or worthy of doing that. I mean, when I worked a full-time job, it was never really an option, you know, unless you have a lot of vacation time or the ability to take off. Then when you work for yourself, you're like, all right, well, I really have no time because as entrepreneurs, like we really never give ourselves time off to do these kinds of things. And just the money, you know, the thought of being like, taking off a week or two to travel is losing that money I'd be working and spending, you know, thousands of dollars or whatever it's going to cost for this trip. It just, it didn't seem worth it. And I didn't think that I deserved that because I always lived on such a tight budget. Like even, I feel like I've never been in a really tight situation with money. Like I guess call that privilege, whatever it is, but I've always, I've grown up shopping at thrift stores. I honestly still do. I can afford to buy new clothes, but like I don't find that fun. And with the whole environmentally friendly factor, like it just bugs me. So I literally buy almost everything used when I can. And I found that because I have such a frugal lifestyle and I don't 
need a lot of things, like a lot of luxury items that as I've continued making more money and saving it, I've been able to sit back and look at it and be like, you know, I'm saving money and we're at a point where we can afford to do travel. Something that was once a luxury and seems so unattainable, like we can. And I guess I just had this mental shift too of thinking we as human beings live in such a screwed up society where, I mean, unless you work for yourself in general, you're forced to work, you know, five days a week, 40 hours, little vacation time, you feel guilt or your boss gives you hell if you even ask about taking off work. And then you feel bad when you do it because you think I'm on vacation and I need to enjoy it enough for it to be worth it. And then half the time you need a vacation from your vacation because it's so exhausting. So I feel like we just like, I don't know, as a society, our views on things like that are just so negative and so awful. But I have the opportunity to travel because I started, for me, it started out with this one group I was traveling with. I'm into yoga. So I went on these yoga retreats. Their first international trip was to Africa. And I feel like I just saw it as a sign and I jumped on it. So my husband and I both signed up. We didn't want to go so far away for only a week. So we looked into other travel options to go to other countries as well. And we did. It was like a bucket list trip. We went for two weeks total. And I'm not going to lie that, you know, it was costly. But for what it was, I find that experience, if it's something you want to do with your life, like you can't put a price tag on that. And it was incredible. And literally... That was our first big trip. It was a lot of just letting go of all of my financial insecurities and realizing it's okay and we deserve and can afford to do it. And the day before we left and got on the plane for that trip, I had an opportunity for a Thailand trip. And when I say an opportunity, like I get emails about different travel and different trips. As much as some people enjoy backpacking, doing their own thing, planning their trips, especially as a vegan, if anyone's listening and can relate, it's a lot harder to travel and find, you know, not only vegan food-friendly options, but also doing activities and things that have less of a carbon footprint and that don't contribute to any exploitation of animals, which is like a whole nother thing, not really relative to this podcast, but I'm just really conscious of these things. So I do find it difficult to travel with things that don't align with my values. So I had the opportunity to go on a trip with this really cool group called Veg Voyages that does like all eco-friendly vegan friendly trips. And I got an email literally the day before we left for Africa. And it was like a small group that was going to fill up. So I literally didn't even hesitate. I'm kind of just the universe has given me a sign. I signed us up and that was for December. So that was our trip to Thailand that we went on more recently. I can't believe it's already been a couple months now that we're like at the end of March, but it was from a little bit before Christmas through after New Year's. So it was two weeks in Thailand and we pretty much traveled throughout the entire country. And it was just a mind-blowing experience. And I think it's actually really related that you're asking about it because with this topic of mindset, visiting a lot of Buddhist temples, like I'm not a religious person. I don't like, technically I'm Jewish, but at the moment I'm kind of just free-spirited doing whatever mindfully really just I don't know, helps me get through a day and helps me get through life in a healthy mental health kind of perspective. But a lot of things that we learned about Buddhism really, I felt that I identified with. And I feel like a lot of those practices I've brought back kind of just for myself, my own mental health and awareness and to my business as well. And that's part of what kind of inspired our conversation about doing this podcast as well, of just being more mindful, letting go of a lot of things. And not directly related to that, but just, I think, changing our attitude about ourselves 
the one thing that actually drove me to feel inspired to want to chat with you, like I guess live on here was not anybody specific, but I think just in general, especially newer students, like people in the Artist Academy Advanced and sometimes an artist academy, but mostly an artist academy advanced, you know, we're everyone's in the same boat of trying to grow our business, looking for mentorship, looking for guidance from each other. So it's only natural that in the group people, you know, might vent or ask questions. That's really what the group's all about. But I just noticed a trend of a lot of people using the tone of feeling like they're not good enough or their art isn't good enough. Or part of their question isn't just how do I apply to this or what should I do? But like, I don't feel like I'm good enough. And that made me recognize a lot of myself talking about where I was a few years ago when we first recorded this, even though I was getting established as an artist, I felt that one thing I lacked sometimes was confidence. And that's a whole nother, like, I feel like we could do 20 podcasts on that alone. But I think what people don't realize is in addition to taking all of the business and artistic tools that you provide to us or that other, you know, mentors might provide in growing a business so much comes from within. And that's not something that somebody can really teach you. And it's not even something that just repeating a mantra or saying something to yourself over and over again is going to change anything. Like you have to completely shift your mindset. And for me, it happened gradually. Like it's something I was aware of and was kind of on my way over the past few years. But I feel like it's taken me a few years to fully get to the point I am now of being fully confident in myself and recognizing my boundaries for myself and for others, and just really being confident in not just myself, but my business and my art as a whole. Do you think that came from practice? Like just keep doing it? Or is there anything specifically that got you there? Yeah, so definitely practice. And a lot of it, I think, like, unfortunately, is experience in good and bad ways. Like I love how on a lot of your podcast episodes or even in chapters of your book, like you share real life experiences and struggles you've been through and you specifically share them in hopes that someone else can take something away and learn from them. I think that's really helpful. And unfortunately, I think what's even more helpful is when we learn these things for ourselves. Yeah. And I think a lot of the mindset of what I'm trying to convey, which maybe isn't super clear to people, part of it isn't even just, here's a message, you know, be confident in yourself. Here's an inspirational quote for the day, you know, live, laugh, love, all these things. It's truly like listening to your gut. And I don't want to sound like a crazy person by tying in like, the idea of being psychic or anything like that. But I've read books that have referenced the idea that we've lost so much of being in tune with our spiritual selves. And there's a lot of science. This is a whole nother thing that goes into the fact that we all do have psychic abilities. And I know this sounds like a crazy thing, but even I love it. Comes, but even when it comes down to like, if you like, let's say this is a good example. Like when people commonly an artist academy will say, oh, you know, I'm working with this client and, you know, they haven't paid me yet. And I'm having all these issues already. And here's 20 red flags. If you are in a situation with your business and something is screaming, don't do it. And you just literally feel it in your gut. Like you feel that drop where you feel like those butterflies in your stomach, but not in a good way. Like you're literally just having anxiety and you're going to be sick. These are ways your body is telling you something. And it's not always a physical problem, but that's like your inner psyche, like giving you a sign. And like, I've just gotten without sounding like a total crazy hippy dippy person. Like I've really become more in tuned with not only the messages that like, my psyche is trying to tell me, but like just being connected to the universe as a whole. And I think that a lot of that ties into where I am today. 
So for example, like when people give red flags or if you're in a situation that isn't good, often it's like a sign telling you or even reminding you again and again to set boundaries. And these can be with yourself or with clients. Like for example, basically when I've started my business, my original goal and like what my service is that, you know, I paint animals, whether it's as pet portraits or in my own art, that's not just my passion, but that's my specialty. So when I think back and I use this as an example, the two times that clients have asked me to paint a person, like a human being, which I don't do human portraiture. I've never enjoyed doing it. And I'll just be honest, like I'm not good at it. My style doesn't translate well. There are people that really enjoy and like kind of like my funky whimsical version of people, which I might occasionally do if it's like my own project, but not a commission for someone. But the two times I put my guard down and when clients wore me down and convinced me they really wanted me to do this project for them, it wound up being a disaster. Like so bad to the point of being stressed and me not being able to complete the project. And I will say those are probably the only two times like I've actually had that issue with commissions. And it's because I didn't listen to myself and I wasn't strong enough in saying no. And I think I see this a lot with other artist academy students or other people listening, you might have clients that are difficult. And in your gut, you're telling yourself like, I just shouldn't even go through with this project. But you're like, oh, you know, I need to make my rent this month. I really need the money or I'm in a really tight situation and you just do it. And it winds up being such a mental suck on your energy and a bad experience that you'll learn from it, but you will wish that you could take it back and not do it. I've also had other experiences. It's funny because when I listened to the other podcasts, I think I was talking about Chewy on there. So it's funny. That was years ago. So obviously I don't work for them anymore. And I don't think I mentioned this in the podcast, but I don't really want to badmouth them or anything. But I will just say that myself and the entire artist team that they had working for them at the time, they basically let everybody go including the artist who started the whole project with them. They were basically like cleaning house, changing employees. I don't really know. I kind of heard from somebody else of what was going on, but they let me go. And I was a little hurt and upset by it at first. But like we discussed in the other podcast, even I remember you were, oh, ew, because I mentioned that I had to do pet portraits, but there were all these really rigid requirements to how they had to be, which is not me or my art or my style. But For whatever reason at the time, I was like, oh, it's money. I'll just do it because it'll help me make my animals more realistic. It'll help me, you know, work on my technique. And there was something in my gut that was just telling me like, this isn't, you know, your thing. It's not your style. This isn't the direction you want to go with your business, but I still did it and it wound up not working out. And there's been a lot of other examples of projects. Like this one time I was hired by a golf course to paint on all of their little monument statues, which was probably the worst job I've ever done. And the guy threatened to sue me because I spilled paint in one of his golf carts. But one of his employees, his manager, who I'm friendly with, told me the day it happened. I told him right away, I addressed the issue. And he said, don't even worry about it. You know, we'll clean it up. You can leave it. We'll deal with it. And then when the boss comes in and finds it, he like writes me a bill to pay for a whole new golf cart and or threatens to sue me. And I'm just like, all right, my gut told me not to take that job because it wasn't my thing at all. And I hated it. And that's a lesson. So 
I know I'm going off in like maybe a whole nother direction. I tend to get carried away, but like, these are just examples that when your gut is telling you something, it's usually for a reason. It's rarely just because you're like, oh, I'm scared or I'm anxious. I mean, we all get butterflies about our big first project or your big first commission. But if something is nagging at you, listen to it. And that comes in both ways. Same with if you really want something or an opportunity or kind of like I was even mentioning about this trip, you know, I was so scared to travel and I started just doing it and realized that I work my ass off. So it's not like this money just flows freely, but every time I travel and then if I do have any stresses about money, I realize I can just do two successful art shows and make back all that money or more to travel once or even twice again for both myself and my husband. So if you look at the ways you're getting income and take on more big projects, you can literally financially fuel your goals and dreams and not have that stress about it. So I think it's just changing the mindset of the way you look at things and your perception of them. Yeah. And I can totally relate to a lot of things that you said, specifically with just being in line with seeing different signs or I'm very like noticeable of if things kind of start to work out in a certain direction, if I'm like, I don't know. So like, for instance, recently I was like, I want to paint for schools more. And then one just kind of fell in my lap and I was like, weird. I just said that. (laughs) And then I actually yesterday ended up in a weird circumstance on the phone with a guy who paints for schools. And I was like, how do you get more of your jobs? And he gave me his strategy about how he does it. And I was like, this is weird. Okay, thank you. And now I'm putting it into practice. And it's just little things like that. I said, I want this. There's a lot of things that I'm like, maybe I want to try this. And then it's so hard. It doesn't work out. I'm like, okay, maybe that's not for me. (laughs) But it's, I think you just get little hints, you know, in the right direction and not to say there's not work behind it, but it's just listening to your gut in a way. And even with pricing, I think is like last year, or what was it? Two years ago, I had a really cheap client who I ended up having to take to court over $500. (laughs) What? And so raising my prices and having, you know, setting minimum and bidding it higher. I've had some customers who have paid a lot that have tipped me even on the top of a lot and they're not picking me. They're not. And it's just like raising it just a little bit and going after certain customers that I really want to work with and that I'm passionate about. That has helped too, because just recently I took on a really tiny project and they kind of talked me into it. I was like, okay. And now I'm procrastinating on it. And it's been like three weeks that I should have got it done a week ago or at least. And so that's kind of how I figure it out. I'm like, am I procrastinating with it? That means maybe I don't actually want to do it, but I'm just trying to echo your points. No, I can relate to that so much. And I feel like you also brought up another good point of like, you're aligning yourself with things that you want. And as we all grow financially, you know, of course, when you start out, you're going to charge less than you do once you've been in the game for a few years or 10 years, but you want to align yourself with those clients. So I know a lot of this podcast is about helping artists that are either starting out or want to know how to make their into business to make money. And I think one thing to recognize is Of course, we all want to work on our technique and make our art better. But the issue here isn't your art. There's so many other things you need to improve. So like, I can't tell you how many times people 
more in the past, not that I'm saying my art's better now, but I think I used to take a lot of things to heart when people would insult my work or the style of it because, you know, my art's very whimsical. It's not realistic. And it took a lot of time for me to realize my art isn't the problem. It's the people. So you need to align yourself and put yourself in situations where you're aligned with those that bring you up and that want to pay for your work. So you are recognizing that your work has a higher value. So you're targeting and marketing for clients within that niche of paying that amount of money. And like you said, they're even tipping you and they're easier to work with. So you're kind of almost just like manifesting and bringing the energy of what you want. And that's what you're getting back from it. And I've also worked to only do art shows and events that align with, you know, my style of work or my target audience because I paint animals in a certain style. I do animal or wildlife or environmental themed events. I might do other festivals besides art shows. I might put my art into other businesses, into restaurants, or do wholesale with companies that align with my work. And because I'm working on marketing to the target audience, my work sells. But if I go to an event like I don't know, a type of festival that has people that don't want to spend a lot of money at all, or people looking for more of a finer style of art that's more of a realistic vibe, they're not going to buy my work and I'm going to feel bad about it. So I think a lot of our mindset shifts have to be setting ourselves up for success instead of trying to change who we are or changing your work. Like you don't want to change your murals or change what you're doing. You just want to get paid more to do them and deal with less hassle from people. And that's exactly what you're doing. And like you mentioned, it's not just kind of like you wanted to work with more schools. And instead of just thinking like the light bulb in your head goes off, oh, I want to work with schools. I'm just going to sit here and wait for something to happen. But sometimes the energy shift, a lot of it is that idea is what happens first. And then the hard work follows. Sometimes you don't even realize you're making those conscious efforts towards it without even being aware. Something some people might that are listening might have heard of is like the term manifesting. I like to use this a lot and not in the way that people think, oh, I'm going to manifest that like I want a mansion and a huge car and I'm going to put a picture on my vision board and it's just going to happen. And I mean, there is theories, there's ways you can actually make it happen in that way, but that's not what this podcast is about. But I actually have a vision board. It's actually really just a bulletin board with all kinds of crap like tacked to it. But I've recently in the past few years, like since our last podcast, it helps me focus on goals that I have that I might just set in my mind. Like we're all frazzled. Half the artists listening to this probably are like me and have ADHD. I think it actually helps bring a lot of our success as creative people. And it's very hard to have a focus on a goal and follow through. So I think that sometimes without these ideas kind of popping in our head and then us forgetting about them and getting lost. If you have a goal, like for example, I'm going to look at my board right now and see. Yeah, what's on there? So right now, my new event average that I want to make at big scale art shows I do is I want to make $5,000 at each show. And I wrote that there and that began happening. So my first show of 2023, which is usually a good show for me, I was a little unsure how it was going to go because just because of the time, the weather here in Florida, every single year, it usually rains one of the days. So it'll either turn into a one-day art show or it just affects the crowd or something. So it's never been my best show, but it's been one of the best vibes. So I just felt like compelled to be like, I want to set a new goal. I want to make over 5,000 this year. And I did. I actually made over 6,000 at that one event. 
And I'm just like, all right, that's my new event average I'm putting on the board. So I have that there to look at. And of course I wrote it to be realistic. I don't want to set unattainable goals for myself that it's an average because there are events that are only a one day show. So I can expect, I'd like to make at least half of that compared to two day art show. And then there's some where the weather affects it. Something out of my control is going to affect it. So that is going to affect the averages, but that's my goal. So I can see my growth and recognize when I need to work on other things to improve if financially I'm not getting to where my goal is. And it helps me not stress about money because I'm just like, that's what I'm worth. I did that well in an art show. And I know it's that's like what is possible for me. So I don't really think about it or stress. I just kind of let the rest go. I do my preparations. I work hard as usual, but I don't sit here and count pennies or focus on things in a way that stresses me out. I just let it happen. And it does. And let's see what else is there. There was a mural project I wanted to do at a local vet clinic that I wrote on there and they wound up reaching out to me. So that worked out and that's kind of in motion. I'm waiting to hear back from her. And there was also an interview for a local news station. I do a lot of interviews periodically locally um, for news stations, but there was this one that they stopped by at an art show and gave a business card to my husband and told him, like, oh, give this to your wife and, you know, contact me because I'm sometimes I leave my booth at art shows and people talk to Josh, who's my husband, when he's kind of booth sitting and managing things for me. And I reached out and I never heard back. So I was like, oh, you know, maybe they don't want anybody or whatever. So I put that on my bulletin board that I'm just like, I want to be interviewed for this thing because it's not just an interview. They do a whole video series and set on local artists and then they put it in the news and they put it on social media. So I was like, and I've done something similar a few years ago, but I just really felt compelled to do this. So as soon as I put it up there, I wouldn't, it's, I'm not even kidding. A week later, one of our local art groups sent out an email to a bunch of people on their listserv and just said, Hey, they're looking for people to interview. Here's the application. So I applied and then I was chosen for it. So it's little things like that just seem crazy, but I think it helps me focus on it and know that my ideas are pinned there for safekeeping where I can see it, but I don't have to like obsess or have anxiety about it. Because if I'm not organized, I kind of get anxiety all the time when I have too many things on my plate, which don't we all, you know, it's very hard to stay organized and I'm not organized, but in that way, I just set my goals and they happen. And it's not meant to sound like voodoo stuff or anything crazy because I definitely put all the work in to make these things happen, but it definitely helps keep me on track. And with that being said, I also write down a lot of other things like On the back of my door, when I repainted my studio, I painted the back of my door with chalk paint so I can use it as a chalkboard. And I write all of my goals and especially boundaries for myself and for other people I collaborate with. So like I do a lot of wholesale and I was like changing my prices and changing my minimums for a while. And I was like, nope, this is what it's going to be. I wrote it down. A lot that you teach us in the Artist Academy about pricing and you provide a pricing guide and everything for everybody. I've written down like what, you know, my minimum hourly rate is for different types of projects or what roughly my pricing might be for canvas paintings or something. Just so when I forget and like I'm down on myself and I paint something, I'm like, oh, it's only like worth this much. I have to do what my own formula is to figure it out and make sure that I'm not underselling myself because I think with mindset that's so important. And we all go through this until we get to a point where we establish boundaries with ourselves is we undervalue ourselves and our work all the time. And I mean, somebody just posted, I think either today or yesterday, I commented this morning in the Artist Academy about 
applying for a mural that wasn't going to pay for a mock-up because they were trying to choose between different artists. And she explained, well, usually I have a set fee that I charge for a mock-up before I do it, but I really want this job. So should I just not charge? And everyone's hell no girl, you know, charge your fee, stand your ground. And it is so easy, even though it sounds easy when we give advice to somebody else, when we're in that situation, it is so easy to slip up or think, oh, you know, I really want this job. So I'll spend all day working on a mock-up. I'm not getting paid for even if I don't get the job and then it doesn't work out. And I think being like very strict with ourselves as if we were like an employee, because we're bosses of our business, but we're also employees too. So think, would you allow like, I don't know, if you were just an employee, you wouldn't allow that to go. But because we're the boss and we can change the rules, sometimes we allow things to stick up or to get messed up or go outside of our boundaries. And I think that just writing these down, having the boards, I mean, that's just my method, at least that I need to remind myself, like, kind of, you know, my mind goes wherever it goes, but I need to keep myself grounded and just remember, like, these are goals you set for yourself. These are boundaries, not just for others, but for you. And, you know, I as a person can't step on myself, I guess, that being said, (laughs) or squash myself, you know, and I think that goes with confidence and just being comfortable and confident with where you are as an artist. Yeah, I think it, it goes hand in hand, you know, having that mindset of manifesting backed up by the hard work in it. I mean, you're not a brand new artist going and hearing this and being like, okay, I'm going to set a $5,000 goal at my next art show when you haven't really found your niche yet and you haven't found your style and you haven't put in the hours. Like, but you have. And so you can set that. And I love that you said 5,000 because that is right where I'm at too this year. And I just want to share a couple, two quick stories too. I, at the beginning of the year, I was like, okay, I've been saying for a while that I want $5,000 jobs. And now this year I'm like, okay, for real, I'm going to turn down things that are tiny and I'm not going to take it. And I want $5,000 jobs. And so I'm really starting to take it seriously. And this call for artists came up on some kind of Facebook page and she had posted it, this random person, like 10 minutes prior. And I saw it and no, nobody had seen it yet. And it was like, call for Missouri artists for this mural festival. And the amount was $5,000 per artist. And I was like, well, I'm just going to take that as a sign. So, and I think I have a good chance. It's just Missouri artists. So I'm just going to go ahead and put in the effort and do it. And I got chosen. I was like, great. And then I was meeting with a client a couple of weeks ago and it was in a very small town. And I was like, I don't know how much this guy is going to be able to afford, you know, a big mural that he was wanting. So I was talking to him and I was like, what is your budget? He goes, $5,000. And I could tell I stopped and just stared at him for a little bit too long. Cause I was like, that's odd. <laughs> and I was like, okay, great. But it's just like that number has come up several. And I just did a $5,000 mural last week, like a, a different one from the two that I was talking about. And so it's just, okay, now that I've really put my foot down and I've done the work, it's starting to come. But in the last couple of years, especially, I would either underbid or I would take on so much that I felt like w- when it came time for those bigger projects, I didn't have you know the bandwidth to really make them what they could be and charge that much for it or whatever. But yeah, it's I think it's just it's paired with that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I love that we're on the same page too. We're like, we both had this number in our head. And you know, it's gonna vary. I'm not saying this for people listening to be like, oh, I wanna make you know, however much. And if I don't make that, I'm a failure. No way. Like, dude, I've had shows recently where like they got rained out and I like 
was lucky if I made like my minimum for me. And I'll just be open about this again, reminding people that I am an established artist. I've been doing art shows for six, seven years now. If I don't make a thousand dollars, me too. I can't. And like the only exception I make is like, like I referenced earlier is like passion projects or passion events. Like, so there's like small farmers markets that are like vegan markets I do in town because they benefit a local farm sanctuary. I just love being there. I always set up. I don't make that much money there. It's a very small event. But besides that, if I do any art shows, festivals, anything that's literally taking me hours of packing, set up and break down, and then one to two full days of sitting there in wonderful or horrible weather and having to talk to people again and again, like people have no idea how much work goes into a show. And I know, listen, I actually did a talk on this a while ago, made a video to help artists with it. Like it's a lot of work, but here I am years later, I'm still doing, I'm doing more art shows than ever before because it's been really good income for me and I do love it. And it's also been a shift for me from, I still do commissions, but one thing I've got, that used to be mostly what I did. But a goal I realized, or I didn't even realize I had initially when we first talked on the last interview between now is just like every artist, like you eventually want to start making more of your own work and getting paid for it and doing less of what clients ask you to do. So you can just have more of that freedom. And I found that art shows and such allow me to do that because even though it's a gamble every time you do an event, how much you're going to make, you're truly just selling products and artwork from your soul and from your heart. None of those are commissions. They weren't made for the people walking up to your booth. So when they fall in love and buy something, you know, it's because they really love your work, not because they commissioned you to paint their pet or something. And I think that's a whole intrinsically like really heartwarming thing for me. So I've definitely, even though it's physically more work and labor, I've done more of that this year. And just like we were talking about like I can set a goal and I feel like it's a lot easier for me to make $5,000 in a weekend doing an art show than doing 20 pet portraits that might be like a couple, like one to $2,000 added up because they're all so small, but they're taking me more time, especially with a whole nother thing. But I really struggle these days to focus and get work done. Just like you reference procrastinating. And sometimes you realize the more you procrastinate something, maybe you don't enjoy it as much as you thought you did. And I find myself doing that more and more with commissions these days. Like I still do them, but I won't do it if I'm not mentally and creatively aligned with painting at the moment because I don't want to make bad work. So I'll be like, all right, I'm just not painting today. You know, I'm going to do more admin stuff. I have other stuff to focus on. Or sometimes I don't even make it in my studio because I get distracted and stuff around the house, you know, struggles with working from home. It happens to all of us. And I've just truly followed my gut in that sense of being like, you know, I still want to do these. They are like a certain chunk of my income for the year that I rely on. I know I'll always be able to make money painting for people. So I don't want to give that up. But like, I don't really advertise it as strongly. I don't market it as much. I market more like, these are things I have for sale. This is the events you can find me at and stuff like that. More of just doing what I want. Yeah. And it's, I think it's so great when you can be at this level, right? And you can be a little choosy. But in the beginning, I think we're just kind of grabbing at straws and doing everything and trying everything and figuring it out. And then it just kind of comes. Like you can kind of set a 
minimum when so many people are knocking at your door and you're like, okay, this isn't worth it. So like for any, for all the artists that are really in the very beginning, just listening to it, take what Sam's saying and just have that be a goal of yours. Okay. I'm doing the work right now, but one day I'm going to be able to set a goal of $1,000, $5,000, you know, whatever it is, but it'll definitely come. But I think it's just the longer you stay in this game, the easier it is. Yeah. And you can still use the same tools of focusing or manifesting, if you will, or just like setting these goals, but they don't have to be as high. Like I've been doing this a while. And I think way back when my goal, it was a big deal if I made $500 at an event. And before that, I remember first starting out, like my very first event, granted the economy was a little bit different like years ago, but if I made a hundred dollars at a show, I was like, oh my gosh, great day. I was celebrating. So excited. I also do look back at pictures of my old setup and I cringe a little bit because of how awful it was. But again, growth, I think we'll all do that. We'll look back and see where we came from and be like, damn, grew a lot and that's good. But it wasn't always at this point. And even the time and when you interviewed me, I remember one thing that we like discussed and that you might've mentioned was like, I was underpricing a lot of my work. And a lot of that goes with what I mentioned earlier in this interview is that I was lacking a lot of the confidence that I've gained in myself and my artwork today because people made comments. Like it might've been one comment somebody made that made me just feel bad about my work. And then I'm like, oh, I shouldn't even be charging this much because my art's not even that good. And then I'd go through this whole mental spiral. So then I'd lower prices or just not charge as much. Or if somebody like questioned something, I would feel like, oh, I must be overcharging it. But the mindset has to shift to be like, well, when people do that, it's not your work, it's them. Like truly, like it's not you, it is them. When it comes to art, art is so, there's just so many forms. And part of the whole reason people make art is like, you want to get a reaction. You kind of want people to judge it and think in a way, not everyone's going to love your work. No matter how good an artist is, there's always someone out there that won't love it. So just remember that and remember growth with your mindset, your goals, start small, have goals to get big, but you can use the same tools Andrea and I are talking about on a small scale. Like if you do murals like Andrea does, you might not be doing $5,000 murals today, but make a goal to do like $500 or $600. Last year, my minimum for doing murals was $600. And that I wouldn't even leave my house to do a project if it was less than that, because of just time, energy, paint, all the things. This year, I raised it to $1,000 because I also don't specialize in murals. I don't do them as much, but I recognize, especially it takes me even more energy because I don't specialize in them, that like I'm not even gonna go out of my way and spend like at least a whole day doing something if it's not that. But before that, I didn't have a minimum and I would do projects for maybe just, I think my first mural, I charged $300 and it was someone's entire fence. I look back and I'm just like, oh my gosh, I really undercharged. But like, It's okay because that client has come back and bought so much stuff for me since then. She's referred other people. Every time she shows a picture of her mural, which is like in every picture of her yard and her dogs that she posts, she's helping promote my work. So also remember to not be hard on yourself. And with all this being said about money and making a lot and setting goals, don't ever be angry at yourself if you feel like you made a mistake, whether you undercharge or charge wrong, because at least what I believe, like with just like energy and karmic stuff and all this universal, everything we've been talking about, like you will always be provided for if you have confidence in yourself and let that creative energy flow. So if you slip up on something, maybe you undercharge, maybe you spent that entire day or even a week working on a mock-up for a project you really wanted, and then you don't get picked and they didn't pay you, you know, you're going to feel down 
But take that idea and maybe find a new client who will let you paint it. And then you already put the work into it and it's been done. Use the energy and realize that whatever has been spent is never wasted. It'll always come back full circle. And I truly believe that because I've had a lot of experiences like that. And even if it's taken a year or more for me to realize why something happened the way it does, it always makes sense. So that's, I guess, my gist of mindset and believing in yourself and just shifting your thought processes instead of shifting your yourself or your art. Don't change who you are. Change the way you think about things. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so funny. I was just talking to somebody yesterday about a muralist who also coaches other muralists as well in California. And I was telling about the Artist Academy and we're like, oh, we do the same thing. And as you're talking about charging what you're worth for art, I was like, for the last year or so, I haven't raised the price for the Artist Academy. And my thought was in the beginning, especially I was just like you, I was like, I don't want to spend very much money. And I want to, you know, I want to help people. And so if I keep it really low, I can help more people. And then those people aren't going to be like, I think I started it at $22 a month. And I think that's when Lissa joined and possibly you joined at that. And like a lot of early on, and I'm like, Okay. And then I, so I, now it's at $32 a month. And I told that to somebody and they were like, what are you doing? I was like, I know I can raise it. They're like, you're having somebody pay $300 a year to help them make six figures. What are you doing? I was like, well, but they start from the beginning and like they, and like some people won't join. And I think about what if I had it higher and then I wouldn't be able to meet people like you or Alyssa, you know, who have a small, you know, in the beginning, you can't afford very much, but not, so I'm going back and forth because I'm going to raise it this year, probably to 37. But I have people in the back of my head be like, they need to charge at least 50 or a hundred blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, but so I'm just saying no matter what your product is, art or a membership group or whatever, it's still weird to charge more. What are your thoughts on that? I like to hear other people's thoughts. Yeah. So, I mean, I definitely agree. I think like it just never is going to feel right. Especially I think in your case, because you're providing a service that helps people and you don't want to feel like you're making that unattainable for someone that might need it. So, I mean, I definitely agree. And I even mentioned, I think when we like interviewed back, like whenever, cause we were talking about the Academy and I was just talking about all the benefits I gained from it and everything. I will be honest that if it was higher at the time I joined, I might've not joined. And that was just, I came from a different perspective, not necessarily that like I couldn't afford it, but like we've discussed yeah. in the podcast, my relationship with money has changed. So I wouldn't have thought I deserved or needed something like that for that value. Mm. I just wasn't putting a lot of money into myself or my business at the time. And I also was in a unique position that when I joined, I was full-time. I had just gone full-time. So I might've thought like, oh, I'm already full-time. I don't need it. So I might have not. However, that being said, what I think all artists, especially listening to your podcast, obviously are gaining from a lot of this. One biggest piece of advice, well, I have a lot of pieces of advice, but one biggest thing I've learned between the last time we chatted and now, and I have recognized a lot of other artists you interview mentioned this as well, is that you have to spend money to make money. And you can start out as an artist with a small budget, just like I did. I was literally only painting on garbage and using repurposed materials and repurposed shipping boxes because I was just like, I don't want to spend money to make it. And I'm okay making a little bit of money because I'm frugal and I don't spend a lot and like it's good. And I was just content living in this little box. I found that if you want to expand, like you kind of got to go big or go home. And I literally, for perspective, like this just sounds crazy, even say this out loud. 
So I like, for example, I sell a lot of canvas prints and I currently now go through a company that I wholesale them from. So it's not something anybody could use in order to qualify. You have to spend $10,000 a year on canvases. And I surpassed that last year. So they basically gave me my own corporate account. And I, the idea, if I told that to myself like three or four years ago, I would have cringed because I think at that point I was maybe making around a little more than like $30 a year in being an artist, which was fine because I was like, oh, that's even more than I was making at my full-time job before that, that was paying me really shitty. So I was content. I didn't care. But in order to make that, and then if I can quadruple that and bring in $40,000 of sales from products that cost me $10,000. That sounds crazy for someone that doesn't make a lot of money and you don't want to put it out there. But when you grow enough to put money into your product and into things that you resell, it comes back and it also is going to save you time. So I know I'm going kind of off topic, but what you were asking about the Artist Academy, it's just another investment. Like for people that are interested in figures and money and investing, like I was thinking about this the other day, like literally having a business is a form of an investment. It's just doing it in a creative and an enjoyable way. And I think a lot of people don't think about it that way because it's just a whole different perspective. But if you're an entrepreneur, you're literally playing with and investing your money every day with choices you make, advertising products you sell, all the money that you put into marketing, artist academy, learning, growth, buying product to resell. It's sort of like, putting money into a house that you're eventually going to resell and make more money back on. Like you're putting all this money into yourself and your business. So you just have to decide, are you worth investing in? And if you and your art are worth and being that investment, then paying $37 a month is going to be well worth it. Again, like you said, like you're guiding people so that in a year or maybe a few years might not happen that quick for everybody. For me, it took like almost five years. Well, I guess four years last year. It took me four years to make three figures with my art. So it's literally possible for anybody because I also had a lot of mental barriers to get past, which we discussed before. But just think about it that way. Even if someone joins for $37 a month and doesn't want to commit to a full year, just join for a few years. People can take what they want and then decide if they want to stay. And I think that you probably realize a lot of people wind up staying more than they. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on. We've chatted for an hour already. Bye. <laughs> and that's a wrap. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Artist Academy podcast. And if you like hearing interviews just like this in your ear, if they inspire you, then I want to encourage you to go download the audible version of my new book, mural money. It's a condensed version of basically all of the best of the best tips given here on the podcast from guests, plus my own words of wisdom to help you get started in any art industry, plus stories of some hard lessons learned that I have never told before. You can pick up a copy at muralmoney.com. And again, I highly recommend the Audible version. I put a lot of tender love and care to make sure the Audible was extra special. It had some extra goodness in there. And It's really for any artist, but especially those wanting to make a profit from a paintbrush. Muralmoney.com, that's it. I'll see you next week.